0: Chapter twenty three of Fruits of the Spirit This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Bruce Kachuk Fruits of the Spirit by Hamilton Wright Maybe Chapter twenty three Love's Second Sight. Among the maxims which have their roots in confusion of thought, none is more misleading than the ancient and well-worn aphorism that love is blind. The fable of Psyche has been traditionally interpreted as a pathetic instance of that curiosity which opened Pandora's box and let a swarm of evils fly over the world, and which drove Elsa to put the fateful question to Lohengrin at the very moment when her joy was at its consummation. The beautiful story, so weighted with the deeper meaning of things, bears another, higher interpretation, for the soul cannot surrender until it understands, nor drain the cup of the deepest experience until it sees clearly the figure in whose hands it is held. If love were blind, life would sink into chaos, for love is the force that creates, the power that sustains, the principle that governs it is the love of his art which draws the artist unwearied by heroic apprenticeship into the very heart of his art and makes his passion one with insight skill the final mastery of the line if love were blind those forms in which the visions and ideals that bear with them the fortunes of the race because they are the symbols of its spiritual insights and achievements would never have been set in temples and on highways by those who counted no toil too heavy no sacrifice too great that celebrated the marriage of love and art to him only who loves with a consuming passion the final veil is lifted and the ultimate skill conveyed for knowledge and love are one at the heart of things and art which is the record of the creative spirit working with and through men touches perfection only when passion and intelligence are so blended that out of this commingling another word is spoken in the revelation of the divine to the human love is never blind those who love are often blind and to their passion is charged that which belongs to lack of faculty love does not open new senses or convey new faculties it vivifies clarifies intensifies the senses and faculties which already exist In its first daybreak, the world lies half concealed in a mist which poetizes rather than distorts or falsifies proportions, relations, qualities. When the light grows clear, perspectives are corrected, outlines become distinct, hidden lovelinesses come into view, hidden defects disclose themselves. Not because the light and warmth are less, but because they are greater. To measure the depth of love by its blindness, would be to appraise the splendour and fertilising power of the sun by the rays which shine level from the horizon rather than by those which fall upon the soil and search its secret places for every potency of life the blindness of love is a measure of its inadequacy an evidence that it has yet to work its miracle of knowledge as well as of surrender the mother who sees no fault in her child is blinded not by her love but by her dullness of perception The wife who finds no defect in her husband may make him comfortable, but cannot make him great. The friend who finds only content in his love for his friend is denied the highest service of friendship, for, as Emerson said, our friends are those who make us do what we can. The faithful mothers, wives, and friends who accept us as we are, as often harm as help us. They live with us only on the lower levels of being they neither climb nor stir us to climb love that is content robs us of the best it has to bestow and is satisfied with gifts of bread and wine when it might bestow upon us vision inspiration character they love noblest to see clearest and they bind us with bands of steel who so awaken the best in us that when at last we put forth our hands to grasp the highest things behold our hands are clasped in theirs the beginning of love is often a brief madness the end of love is perfect sanity between the dawn and the full day lies the long gradual illumination irony satire and cheap cynicism must not make us blind to the beauty of the illusion in which love begins the illusion of perfection for love seeks perfection BECAUSE IN PERFECTION ALONE, ITS POSSIBILITIES ARE PERFECTLY REALIZED. THERE IS AN HOUR OF PROPHECY IN ALL NOBLE BEGINNINGS. THE ARTIST DREAMS THE DREAM OF BEAUTY BEFORE HE ENTERS ON THE LONG PATH OF TOIL AND ANGUISH OF SPIRIT, WHICH MUST BE TRAVELED TO THE BITTER END BEFORE THAT DREAM BECOMES HIS POSSESSION. FIRST IN EVERY GREAT CAREER COMES AN HOUR OF VISION, THEN YEARS OF TOIL AND DISCIPLINE, WHEN THE VISION SEEMS TO HAVE VANISHED UTTERLY then its gradual disclosure in the work of a lifetime as the work nears its completion and its lines come into view ideals are idle dreams unless they are wrought into character by the routine drudgery and toil which seem at times to remove them to an inaccessible distance love begins with a vision it passes through the travail of the years the disillusions which are part of the waking day the monotony of daily duty, the wearing away of the flush of the morning, the fading of the earliest bloom. And then at the end, behold, the vision is there again, no longer lying like a bloom diffused from the sky, but like a loveliness rising from the depths of life. Between the vision and its realization lies the training in clear sight, the education in full knowledge, which the blind call disillusion. But which the clear-sighted call the divine opportunity of love and the realization of the vision depends not on the early glow but on the high clear later light not to the blind the indulgent the slothful lovers come the great realizations of the final growth but to those whom love has made wise in severity resolute in demand heroic in loyalty to the highest in the beloved perfection of character entire harmony of nature instant adjustment of mood with mood if they were possible at the beginning would defeat the highest service and joy of love which is to see in the imperfect the promise of the perfect as the deep-sighted see in man the image and nature of the divine it is the second sight of love which makes it the joy of life as well as its inspiration behind the present imperfection which it clearly sees Rises always the image of that beauty which is to be, when all the ends of mortal life have been fulfilled. It is to the blind that clear sight seems disillusion. To the open-eyed it is the beginning of the realization of the vision. It is the first sight which prepares for the second sight. Love can neither offer nor demand perfection, for perfection in this mortal life would be as abnormal, unwelcome, and repellent as a child with the knowledge and experience of a man. It is in the search for perfection that love finds its highest opportunity and its deepening joy, in its vision that the sky above it kindles with a glory which does not fade when the sun sinks to the west, but glows as if an immortal morning were breaking. End of chapter 23 Love's Second Sight